Hello, and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Human Design with Victoria Jane. Here, we have candid, insightful conversations about human design and what it's like living your experiment. We'll hear from entrepreneurs, healers, and growth-oriented folks as they practice living their design. And we use these conversations as a space to share the challenges, wins, the ahas and learning moments of living in alignment with your truest life. There's no one right way to do it, and these conversations are here to reassure, expand, and inspire you on your own human design experiment. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I am excited to share today's episode about my parasite protocol and have my practitioner, Rachel Vineyard, on to share more about this because I've shared a little, I shared a little bit on social media as I was going through it, how it improved my sleep, how it improved different subconscious beliefs and and conditioning really that I held in my body and I got so many questions from you all and I figured it would just be best to have her on as the expert and I will get into that in a minute but first I'll just share a personal update and what's been going on in my experiment. So I am recording this right now in California and it's been a few weeks since I've left Sedona And I just came from hanging out with 700 women in the forest in Oregon. And I met more strangers in the last week probably than I did all last year. So it's been quite an interesting experience just feeling that in my design, in my openness. And I've also been really pleasantly surprised at how well, I'm taking it. Like, like I haven't felt too dysregulated or that it's been too out of, out of balance or challenging in any way. So that just, it feels good to acknowledge that. And while, I mean, so many things happened, it was beautiful and incredible to connect and be in nature and all these things. But the main piece I wanted to share here about that experience of my design was really this this overwhelming sense of belonging that I felt there, and especially as an undefined G-Center, something that I hear people say about the undefined G-Center that doesn't 100% resonate that I wanted to re- refine here is this idea that the undefined G is looking for love, quote, outside of themselves. And while that might not be totally untrue, I mean, the the four transcendental gates of love are in the G-Center. So these kinds of love that don't have to do with our mundane lives, but like a love of humanity, a love of the physical experience, a love of the universe, um, and a love of like the, the self, like self with a capital S self, like those, all, those things all live in the G-Center, right? So if you have a divine G-Center, and especially if you have one of those gates, um, 10, 15, 25, and 46, you'll have a consistent sense of that love. Like you'll just feel it within you all the time. So again, it's not untrue that if you have an undefined G-Center, you might be perceived as looking for love outside of yourself. But that feels like a really defined G way of saying it to me. I mean, Ra himself had a defined G center. And so just want to share my perspective that to me coming out of this weekend where I did feel this, this sense of homecoming when with so many women that had shared values about, you know, how, how we want to live and spirituality and energy and all these things that it actually felt more like being filled with love by something outside of me. And so, yeah, like being filled by the external, by life, by source, with a sense of love and home in certain settings, which is why as an undefined G, especially as a reflector, you know, we talk about places feeling good, like in part, it comes from the G center of like, you're going to feel love, feel belonging, feel place and direction and home 
if it's a good place for you. And so to me, it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm always looking for love outside of me, but I'm open to being filled by it. And in the same way, like, you know, I think about the undefined sacral center, and it's not bad to be as a non-sacral amped on amplifying sacral energy sometimes, right? That's a, that's a part of the experience of being open. Similarly for the undefined G, like, yeah, being filled by love in a certain place, like that's the fun of it, right? And there's nothing wrong with enjoying that experience as long as we're not constantly, of course, there's also that, uh, you know, potentially conditioned way of like, I, I gotta, I gotta fill myself with love to feel like it's okay. Like that, that might be a little bit more of a conditioned way of experiencing it. However, it just feels really beautiful. And I thought I would share that little bit in case anyone else is experiencing their G-Center in that way right now. And the other thing that I wanted to share is I have an offering coming out in a little over a week called Lab, uh, and it will be part mastermind, so learning, diving deep into embodying your purpose, and we'll get into deeper concepts like circuitry, what kinds um, or how much of each circuit you have in your own design, incarnation cross, how it's organized, what quarter you fall in, how to think about these different facets of Incarnation Cross, all as different things that play into your broader purpose. And then we'll also be part mastermind. So we'll have we'll have calls where each person will get to reflect and share and really go deeper than what we might get into in just a, a reading on how you actually live out your purpose beyond your job or what you do and how it actually flows into every part of your life. Like you're finding the full expression of your potential through each of the gates, your circuitry, and then seeing how you've already been living it in some ways and how you might find new expressions of it. So I'm super excited about this because, you know, in part, I want to go beyond just like the information, but again, What's the application? Having a really thoughtful group so that we can have this space to to learn. And anyone who's been through HDCC knows the reflection exercises, the practices, the opportunity to hear other people's experience of their designs really brings to life this information in, in a way and puts the pieces together in a way that doesn't necessarily happen in just a one-off session, although those are great too. And yeah, and so this is really for a more, at least kind of intermediate level of person. If you're not sure, you know, whether that applies to you or not, but you're really excited about the idea of finding more clarity in your mission, finding new ways to reach really live your full potential in all areas of your life, you can check out the page which is linked or email us hello at victoriajane.co and we can chat about i'm happy to answer any questions on you know whether this is the right fit for you or or not but really in part this is coming out of my own journey too with my understanding of my purpose which keeps unfolding and revealing new new layers that i get to explore you know, I have a kind of challenging name of my incarnation cross, the left angle cross of limitation, you know, and some are easier to get than others. But I know a lot of people will hear about their incarnation cross and be like, mm, I don't know if that fully resonates, because sometimes these concepts are abstract, right? At first, I thought like limitation, like, do I just sit around and like an Eeyore and tell everyone no to things? Uh, and really, it's it's so much more than that. And I've really come to love it. And it's taken time and so many conversations with other people reflecting back to me, you know, maybe what my second line doesn't see or just a chance to, to really observe in my life how I live out the different pieces of who, who I already am. So if you, if that calls to you, if you want to find more purpose in your own life or support clients or loved ones and celebrate their mission and their purpose and find more fulfillment there then we would love to have you join us. And finally, let me share a little bit about why this episode on a parasite protocol and how it fits into 
human design and my experiment because it might not be immediately obvious <laughs> to everyone. First of all, doing this protocol completely changed my life and my sleep, my health. And in turn, that really in particular showed me some conditioned beliefs that I had held in my body. And we'll get more into specifically how that showed up in the episode. But the point I want to make here is that the mind and the body affect one another. So if you know, in human design, we would say like the body vehicle, right? Like the the vessel that your personality chose to come into is really the part that gets to the part of you that gets to make your decisions. Um, you listen to your authority because it's not the mind. However, if your body vehicle is unhealthy or it has an issue, then it's not going to feel great, right? There's just that underlying nerve nervousness or tension or stress or anxiety. And so for me, and I'm definitely not saying that everybody should do this. This is just me sharing my experience because I've shared a little bit on social media and I got so many questions that for me, doing this really shifted my vehicle <laughs> and in turn, has allowed my mind to not, it's shifted some kind of old conditioned patterns. A big piece specifically has been around what we could metaphorically call parasitic beliefs um, and specifically around unworthiness. So my undefined ego and conditioning like played into some of what was going on physically in my body. So I was I tell Rachel in the episode like every time I would release parasites I would also have like a lot of kind of anxiety come up and it's almost like that would come up and then I would release it and then in a way almost like the physical change helped a a mental deconditioning. So this is relevant whether you have an undefined ego or potentially even a defined ego because I do know I do know defined egos that that feel like they're like, yeah, I still really need to prove myself. Um, that's something that this, this episode might be relevant <laughs> to you. Uh, but but really any kind of conditioning, right? And something that I'll just remind folks, which you might which you might already know, is that the ego center is one of the places that carries that's most that carries the heaviest conditioning, that's most susceptible to conditioning. So in the same way, there is an order of operations with authority. For example, like if you have a defined emotional center, you automatically are an emotional authority and, and you know, kind of goes down the line with sacral and spleen and so forth. There's an order of operations with which centers are carry the heaviest conditioning and the ego is at the top of that list. So ego conditioning and then emotional center conditioning and then I believe it's G center and sacral. Those are like the the top centers where you one will feel conditioning. So we get into that and the nitty gritty of how do I know if I have parasites? Should I be concerned? Rachel is a wealth of information, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been, as you know, posting sporadic updates about the last two months of my parasite cleanse with you and my protocol detox cleanse. I don't know what you officially call it. Um, and there have been so many people that have just wanted to know more because, you know, I think sometimes in this, the health circles we both run in with our chronic health staff, it, it seems like, oh, everyone's talking about this. But I think there's a lot of people for whom the idea of parasites is like, what? Like, I feel fine. And yet it's been so life-changing for me. So I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and getting the truth about parasites out there and all of the nuances that come with that. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Amazing. Well, so to start off with, I want to ask you to share a little bit about what your human design is, because everyone wants to know, um, and then we'll get into more of your background. Yeah, so I am a generator through and through. <laughs> um, it is what 
excels or allows me to excel in, in this area of my business. Um, I, I am also a 6'2", and I'm an emotional authority. Those are the three that I really focus on um, to, like, you know, set my business around and just, like, structure everything around. And that has been really helpful for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And those are the only, so your emotional authority, you have a defined solar plexus, your generator, you obviously have a defined sacral. And mm-hmm. then your only other defined center is the spleen, right? So everything yeah. from like spleen and solar plexus up is undefined. Right. Yeah. Amazing. And is there, I'm curious actually, if there's anything you want to share about, like, how have you set up your business to support your design? Mm. So a little backstory on me. I was programmed unintentionally, of course, but um, that my emotions were not something to follow. Like they um, were deceptive, like they were not a good thing to really listen to. And so I really went my whole life like not trusting my emotions and, or like my gut, you know what I mean? And so when I became aware that that was such a um, authoritative, um, authoritative thing for me to listen to, I have now used that to make my decisions on my business. So, you know, it's not necessarily an emotional quick decision. I sit with it. Like I've learned to like allow my emotions to process and then come back into the truth of it. And that is how I make decisions, whether it's with clients, whether it's with, you know, their protocols or decisions or, you know, how I structure my schedule. It all comes down to that. And that has been game-changing for me. Um, As a generator, I can go like all day long. Like I was in a point of working 80 hours a week and like it lights me up the work I do, but also with the history of chronic illness, like I, my physical body just gets burnt out. And so I started to align my schedule with my emotional authority and just listening and tapping into that. And then that is where I've just found really good balance and uh, yeah, structure within my business. Amazing. Is there an example of when something through your emotional wave has given you the hint to either like slow down or pause or put something aside where like in the past you would have just blown through it? Oh yeah. Um, So another part about my like bring up was just kind of suck it up, push it through. And both of my parents are generators too. And so it's like just this culture we have in our home of just like, or that I did ahead of my home when I was growing up of like, pull up your bootstraps and just like get it done. And so, you know, I don't think that's always inherently bad, especially as a generator, you know, I can, I can power through a lot, but it was in that like, honestly switching into my feminine and running my business more from a feminine energy perspective, you know, just that slow receiving, um, you know, it's okay if you don't make a decision today, like we can, we can have a few days to, you know, to process that is really where I think the emotional authority has come into play is really with decision-making. Um, yeah. It's it's so interesting. And I know I want to get to the parasite um, protocol part, but it's just so interesting to hear you talk about just what you said, because you have the, the 5432 channel, which is about like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and having Mm -hmm. the drive to like build something that's going to last. And then at the same time you have your wave and specifically the 1949. So it's like, okay, but there's going to be that wave that is a lot louder for you and, and mm. dictates the timing of things. And then your only other channel is that 63, which is like, I don't know, it might not be time yet. Like, is it? And there can be that restlessness. Oh, so yes. um, thank you for sharing that. So yeah, let's go into your story specifically around how you got into the work that you do as a health practitioner. Yeah. So I'll keep it brief because, you know, stories can be long, right? There are, there are, our life. So, um, short story long, I'll say or long story short, I was always sick growing up and, um, I was like out of school more than I was in it. Like like, literally half of the year I was just out of school and stomach issues. And honestly, my mom probably thought I was faking most of it, but (laughs) she was so like nurturing. She was like, yeah, whatever. Um, (laughs) that's probably not okay, but it is what it is. 
but I really was sick all the time. And I um, became resistant to three different types of antibiotics because I was constantly on antibiotics um, for strep and different infections. I didn't know that about you. I'm also resistant to different antibiotics for the same reason. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gosh, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, I know. (laughs) No wonder our guts were. We can do a round two at some point. (laughs) Yeah. um, But in eighth grade, I got mono, which is a virus. And that was when um, my first onset of autoimmune uh, disorders like turned on. So I was diagnosed with celiac at, celiac at that point and IBS, right? And for anyone who can't see the video, I have quotations um, going on. I went to a gastrointestinal doctor and they told me to take Miralax every day, stop eating apples and obviously avoid, avoid gluten. Oh and God. so like, you're like 13 at this point. They're like, yeah. just take this forever. Yeah. No, I literally took Miralax for like eight years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, not that long because I was 13. So like six years. Um, but yeah, so I did that all through high school and had hormonal imbalances, just like not healthy, you know, acne and always bloated and more food sensitivities. Um, but I like thought it was normal, right. Cause nobody told me that there was another option. And so after I graduated, I lived out of the country for um, about a year and I loved my time away, but, um, I was, with a family who unfortunately was quite abusive. Um, and that presented one way physically through starvation. And so I was eating under 800 calories every day and that emotional psychological and physical stress on my body was really the straw that broke the camel's back. And so, um, that was when the whole onset, onset of, um, health issues and just, uh, viruses that were dormant, like Lyme and different things. That's when everything turned on. So I came home, I was 85 pounds and bedridden. I was so sick. Um, but I knew that like, you know, healing had to be possible, right? Of course there was disordered eating in the mix there. There was a lot of details, a lot of trauma, but I turned to functional medicine because I looked in the past and was like, wow, nobody ever really helped me in the conventional world. So, um, you know, just for my story. So I turned to functional. Um, It was at that point I was diagnosed with Lyme, Hashimoto's on the verge of Addison's disease. My adrenals were so shot, you know, every gut issue under the sun, candida, leaky gut, um, mold toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, like the list could just keep going. So I was sick and I was like 19 at that point. Um, and you know, I did all the supplements, all the diets, all the protocols and everything. And I was getting a little better, but I wasn't healing, you know what I mean? So, um, I decided to go to school because I was like, well, if I'm laying in bed, I might as well be learning. Right. So, um, you know, I went to school to be a traditional naturopath, which is what I am now. And while learning, I was realizing why I wasn't getting better, Um, You know, we were neglecting my liver, we were neglecting the parasites, which obviously I had, and there was just so many missing pieces. And so I started to experiment with myself and I started to actually heal. I was gaining weight. I had more energy. You know, I was like laughing again and um, I was tolerating food. Like I was down to six foods at one point. It was just like her, not a way to live. Right. Um, and so when I graduated, I decided to apply my method that I had done for myself to my clients. And here we are today, you know, helping people. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really great feeling to do what I do. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I, thank you for sharing all of that. And I, I know there's so much in what you summarized that we won't be able to get into in a shorter conversation, but you know, I I really hear and feel like those, those dark moments that you hinted at and that health journey Mm -hmm. of like, I was down to six foods, like you're just in bed. And it's like, what was that all? But what was it all for? And as a six, two in your third line phase, Mm -hmm. you're so much in your story, like you were out and you were getting all the experiences and going through some stuff in order to then tap into like your genius and your method as a second Mm -hmm. line, just like unconscious especially seeing your gifts here um so I think that's this is a great segue into specifically like you you don't necessarily need to go into like 
well, we don't need to get into the specifics of your protocol right now, but I think like for people who are unfamiliar with the idea of parasites, I do want to start with like for myself, my health journey began in like, I mean, potentially like my whole life, but let's say like it really kicked up in 2017 um, when I was having blood sugar issues and Mm -hmm. candida, leaky gut, all these things. Mm -hmm. And it was several years of working through that until really like being protocol. I started in 2020 and I um, left my corporate job, which was definitely adding to my stress bucket. And I had gotten to the point when we connected Rachel um, that I was like, you know what, my health is in a pretty good place. Like I make sure to get my fiber in, it sweeps away the adrenaline, like my sleep could be better, but it's certainly better than it was. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was a really big part of me that was resistant to finding another thing to fix. Because Mm -hmm. I was like, I I love the thing that I love about the beam protocol is like, you get off all the supplements. And I too had been working with FMDs and had all these jars of things, like trying to pack to travel is like two Ziploc bags of like, and and yet I think there's something that happens when we start living our design and Mm -hmm. where synchronicities just happen. I see it happen really obviously with generators where like, you know, things just drop in and you respond. But even for myself, like the way we connected was so synchronistic where I had gotten some intuitive guidance to do a parasite cleanse. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I got a, I got a stool test. I don't have parasites uh-huh. because, because I didn't want to have parasites, you know? Um, of and not. then of course not. Um, and then, you know, we connected and you offered to do an iridology reading for me which I'll let you explain, but I'll just say briefly, like essentially you look at someone's eye and because all the nerves in your body connect back to the eye, right? And Mm -hmm. I love the nervous system. You were like, "Mm, yeah, you definitely have parasites. (laughs) And I mean, I am at the point now, and by the way, like I'm not a medical practitioner, so please don't, I'm just sharing my experience because it's been so helpful. And, you know, Rachel is a naturopath. So take all of this and run it through your own authority to decide what to do. yeah, I just need to say that for myself, I've gotten to the point where I don't really feel like labs are that necessary because as I have learned, um, not just in this instance, but in other experiences too, like there are so many false positives, right? Like I took a, I took a stool sample. It said I didn't have parasites and I have a photo album on my phone of at least like 40 worms (laughs) that I passed. Right. So that's a preamble to most people are like, how, how do I know if I have parasites? How do we even get them? Yeah. So, you know, I think functional labs and testing have come so far and there is so much that we can see, but they're still not there. Right. Because I cannot tell you, Victoria, how many people who have come to me and been like, I've done the stool stance. Uh, stool tests. I've done the GI maps test and all of them come back negative for parasites. Well, let me put it to you this way. Parasites don't come out in your poop. (laughs) They stay in your body because that is where they feed. And I know that's maybe a little gruesome, but like they're not going to come out. Um, And so the thought of being able to test a, a poop sample for parasites is really asinine. It's just not a complete way of of checking. And so, um, you know, all these people who are claiming negative parasite tests, you know, they, they're, they're a mammal. So it's just part of our biological makeup um, to deal with parasites, right? We go outside, we eat fruits and vegetables, we have pets, Um, you know, a lot of us probably garden or bite our nails or climb rocks, whatever it may be, this is all just exposing you naturally to parasites. The problem is our modern environments actually foster um, more growth for parasites than they would have in the past. And here is why. Number one, our bodies are much more acidic. Um, This is due to our food that a lot of people are eating. Even if you're not eating processed foods, like even our whole foods, are a little bit more acidic in nature due to the vitamin mineral deficiency. Um, you know, the water we drink, the air we breathe, the EMFs, the 5G, the, you know, lack of grounding, all of these things affect our pH and parasites thrive in an acidic environment. So does candida, so does SIBO, so does cancer, 
the list could go on. And so because of our, our bodies are more acidic, specifically in the GI tract, it's going to allow them to grow and overpopulate. Also, we've completely disconnected, or a lot of us have disconnected from our roots. And, you know, if we look back at our ancestry, our heritage or our people of heritage probably used a lot more herbs. They used things from the earth. They um, were eating with their bio-individuality, all of which naturally is anti-parasitic. Like if you're cooking with sage, for instance, that is anti-parasitic in nature. And, you know, whether you're from the Asian population, European population, you know, any, anywhere in the Americas, wherever you are, those herbs that are traditionally a part of your culture were naturally anti-parasitic. So they're going to clean you, clean you out anyway. And so if we look at those two things in tandem, you know, we are disconnected from that now. And so people are more exposed. And also we don't want to think about it, right? You yes, just said earlier, <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't accept. I like, I don't, I don't want to have parasites. So I'm just right. going to pretend that I don't. Um, and right. I think, I think that's a big thing when I talk to, you know, friends who aren't as into health as me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like this just happened to me in the bathroom. Um, and there's this belief that, you know, you have to travel to a, a foreign mm-hmm. country, a quote, dirty foreign country, which has, anyway, we won't get into the, the implications of that, um, which I have, right? Like I lived abroad in El Salvador and Nicaragua and Peru. Um, so I've been all over, but I don't think that's where, I, I mean, like I jump in lakes and streams. I hey. pet my dog, which like, you know, he sniffs all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> so I think like, just normalizing, throwing that myth out the window. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the other piece too, that took some time for me to wrap my head around was like, oh, the world is just more toxic now. And as someone with, you know, a a stress bucket that was pretty full in the past, um, you know, the analogy that comes to mind is like the same reason why I choose to eat organic now, but I didn't have to. And if I had existed in the 19 early 1900s, I don't know, Mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't a thing. It's just because the world has changed, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, And I love what you said about like, you don't have to travel to a third world country. Like There are germs everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, and like, it's just- They don't need passports. No, and we deworm our dogs, we do deworm our cats and our horses and our cows and whatever. But like the thought of deworming us- who are also mammals, it's like, it freaks people out. So let's just like, which it is gross. It is gross. Right. But I will say like, from my personal experience, it's also really satisfying now to know that what is out of me is out of me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And to answer your initial question about, okay, so the tests don't work. So how do I know if I have parasites? Well, obviously there are a whole host of symptoms, which if Victoria, you want to dive down that we absolutely can. Um, well, but- maybe real quick, cause I feel like the list is so long, but like a lot of them are low grade things that m- might not like they could be anything. Right. So for example, mm-hmm. for me, it was, I wasn't sleeping well around the full moon, which I attributed to bleeding usually. Um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just that. And then also for me, like kind of a low grade mental health anxiety thing. And this is why, like, I wanted to have you want to talk about this as it relates to human design, because so often when we talk about following our design, we need to feel what it feels like to be us and to feel our intuition, whether it's emotional or sacral or splenic or whatever it is. And if there is um, that background noise of your body feeling unwell because there are parasites or because um, for example, you're having anxious thoughts, then mm. it's just a little harder, right? So yeah. those are like two big symptoms that are not, I mean, it doesn't mean like you definitely have parasites, but mm-hmm. um, they're a pretty good signal. So I just wanted to insert that. Yeah, no, those are huge. And, you know, a lot of that can come down to the energetic side and the physical side. So typically parasites enter in through your GI tract right? From the food you eat, your dog likes you, whatever. Um, and they don't just stay there. Like they travel systemically throughout your body. And so they damage the gut in the process. And your gut is responsible for making about 80% of your serotonin and dopamine. So, you know, they're responsible for neuro, your, your gut is responsible for neurotransmitter production. So if your gut is unwell, 
mentally, a lot of times, you know, people can deal with depression and anxiety, but also the parasites, like you were alluding to, they also are energetic in nature. Like I had someone really wise tell me one time, you know, in the 3D, um, you know, parasites are these little creeper, creepy crawly things in our bodies, right? That are sucking our vitamins, our minerals, our life force from us. But in the 5D and beyond, there are demons, there are limiting beliefs, there are, you know, these other energetic attachments that are once again, sucking the life from us. And so I think there is a beautiful connection there of, um, you know, the mind, body, and the spirit, because if you're healing one, you're going to heal the other as well. But if you focus on the two in tandem or the three in tandem, that's where the magic really happens. Yeah. And how, I mean, everybody has a gut, like not just sacrals, right? Right. (laughs) Um, But it feels important to say too, like, especially if you're a sacral, um, Mm. having, having parasites could really affect, you know, how much you're able to tune into what your gut is telling you. So for sure. Um, I'd also love to share based on what you just said there, like for me, what I would notice is like before I would release some big parasites, I would start to feel extra anxious, almost like they were kind of like holding on inside of me. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope this isn't grossing anyone out too much. Um, And I would have like a really strong belief that would play. So for example, like I've named some of my bigger worms. I had to tell you this. Some of my bigger worms, I've named them like different, different beliefs they were attached to. Like I was doing some really, just some deep work around unworthiness. Mm. Like, you know, I had a big like emotional cry purge about it. And then the next day there was this giant king worm that we've talked about. Like everyone, I released a three foot worm. That's the I'm unworthy worm. (laughs) Um, And there were some other like moments, right? Like, like a victim consciousness worm. I can't remember the rest, but, but there was definitely such a connection for me where I would feel it in my body, um, that the discomfort of a specific block or belief. Mm -hmm. And then as I really opened up to feel it, there was the surrender to release, like where it had kind of taken place or, and lodged into my body via the parasite. So I know we're going super out there, but I love this. Thank you for, for going here with me. <laughs> of course. You know, and that actually happened to me the first time I released parasites. So years and years ago, it was in the heart of my chronic illness. And um, it was the day that I decided that like I was going to heal and that I wanted to, because I think something that happens to a lot of people in like when you get those diagnoses is finally you have an identity and you can kind of latch onto it. And for me, I, I, you know, after the the year of abuse, I was like, I just want to be seen and like nurtured. Um, and so I'm going to almost like milk this sickness, if you will. And I allowed myself to step into victim mindset. But the day that I decided that I was like, that was no longer for me, literally an hour later, I literally almost pooped my pants. Like just to be completely honest, like I was running to the bathroom and it was the first time I released parasites. And it was like one of the biggest um, releases to date. And so I am in full um, belief with you there and agreement with you there that there is such a connection in between these beliefs that we hold and then the releasing of them. And then the physical uh, being an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I know I did not I wouldn't have guessed one day I'd be talking about my my bathroom moments (laughs) on a podcast. Um, Are there any other like big mental, emotional shifts that you see with clients as they go through a parasite protocol? Mm -hmm. I'd say depression is a big one. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of anxiety as well, which I know those aren't necessarily specific beliefs, but they are like a really an epidemic that's uh, um, affecting so many people in our world. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I do believe that we don't have to suffer in those um, with them. I don't believe that we have to suffer with them. And so a lot of my clients do have a really low day. They release them and then they feel like they have like made a turn for like their mental health. And so that is a really common thing that my clients experience. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What about... Okay. So there were some questions that people had asked around like 
all right. They, they're like, maybe I have parasites. Now, what do I do? <laughs> um, yeah. And obviously working with you is, is such a good option. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to share a little bit about what, what, it, what that would look like? Yeah. So first we would definitely want to identify, do you have parasites? And one way I do that is by doing the iridology reading. Um, and in fact, if you guys want to go look in the mirror, you can look at your eye and see if you have any deep grooves extending out from your pupil towards the outside of your iris, which is that colored part. If you have those deep lines that almost look like wagon wheel spokes, you have parasites. Congratulations. Um, And so that's one way that I identify. But the important part there is we want to see where they are in your body, because depending on where they are, that can be a really good determination of what type they are. And that Uh, is how I determine, okay, what protocol do we need to use on this client? You know, what other pathways do we need to support? You know, liver drainage is a huge one. Healing the damage that the parasites has caused to the gut is is a really big um, step in the process. And the part that a lot of people miss, or even practitioners, is the heavy metal connection. So I talk a lot and I try to educate as many people as I can that you cannot successfully eliminate a parasite population unless you focus on toxicity as well. And here's why. Parasites can use something like heavy metals as armor. So they'll literally bind onto heavy metals and protect themselves from your immune system as well as protocols. So that is another one of the of the issues as to why we're dealing with so many parasites in our modern world, as opposed to even in the past. It's because they have so much more um, armor, like they have more resources. And so if you do a, a parasite protocol or you have in the past, but you haven't actually worked on removing the heavy metals as well, you're going to miss a huge population of them, which means they're just going to repopulate and their eggs are going to hatch, et cetera. Um, so those are like some of the main things that I work on with clients as you're aware of Victoria and, you know, it all depends on where it shows up in your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And this is why, like, again, I hint to your, your second line, like genius putting together different pieces. Mm-hmm. Cause I had done a parasite protocol last year when I got the hit, um, to do so and mm-hmm. the splenic thing. And I did, you know, just like a, order the kid offline. Um, and it was a totally great kit, but, um, I didn't get at some of these underlying complementary. like I'm almost picturing like, like a Jenga thing where it's like, you have Mm -hmm. to have like all of the pieces together. You can't just build like half of the tower. Right. Mm -hmm. So there, there were some folks who were like, well, what if I, you know, it's not the right time. I don't have the resources to work with someone and, you know, everyone's in their own situation and certainly like it might just not be the right time if you don't have space for this mm-hmm. in your life but I'll say for me personally like I have wasted not wasted but I've spent like many years trying to DIY things like more this is like in the first wave of my health stuff that yeah. it feels like to me um if you if you can work with someone it's such a shortcut to getting the results that uh, I think we we all hope for so yeah, yeah. I, um, I agree with that I really do. Yeah. I mean, and and you've done the same thing too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like I have tried to DIY way too much, even as a practitioner. And sometimes I think this also comes back down to my generate generator self. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I can do it. Like Mm -hmm. I have the energy. I have the tools. I can learn. I can do it. And that's something actually tapping into my emotional authority, um, which like I was saying earlier, I've really attributed to helping me get into my feminine is okay, what can I release and what can I receive from someone else? And just feeling into that, you know, and um, letting others help you or investing in others to help you is actually such an amazing way to receive as well. Um, Yeah, that's so interesting to think about that through through the lens of needs, right? Because that 1949 is like being sensitive to like needs, what do I need? Am I being too needy? How can I, can I receive my mm-hmm. needs and allow my needs to be met by people and still feel um, loved and held in, in the group, in the tribe versus like, oh, I need to be taking care of everyone. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> big, big, strong theme there for you. Yeah. So, so now um, I'll just share, like, I finished two months of my protocol and we're taking a little bit of a break, but I would say I'm probably not like a hundred percent parasite free. And I don't know if that's really like a realistic um, point to get to anyway. But the other thing I wanted to share briefly about too is um, sleep, because going back to the symptoms we were touching on earlier, you know, we talked about the mental health piece and how that can clear and help support getting more in touch with your authority and just your design overall and like what's mine versus what's not mine. Mm. Um, The other piece of it though, that I think is so foundational for everybody in health is the sleep piece. And I, I think I had resigned myself to like, it's just going to take a while to heal the sleep thing. And, Mm. you know, that might be true to some extent. Um, The bean protocol really teaches you to be patient when they're like every three months, you'll maybe see like results from the mitosis. Uh, But with being, since being on the protocol um, with you and clearing parasites, my sleep around the full moon specifically has gotten so much better. Um, Mm. And I know that's a common symptom, I think, for a good amount of people, right? Yes. Yes. Especially when you sleep a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So parasites are by nature nocturnal. And so they are more active during the night, right? Which is hopefully when you're sleeping. (laughs) Um, And so that is going to um, affect your nervous system. And, you know, a big red flag for you, Victoria, when I was like, you know, just hearing you and doing your reading and everything, you've taken such great measures for your health. And so, you know, you focus on your nervous system, you've been rebuilding and, and healing, but the fact that you weren't sleeping that was like, I knew that you had parasites before I even looked at your eye, because if your nervous system is being triggered by the parasitic activity, you will not sleep. And especially if your, um, your insomnia or active sleeping or whatever it is that you're dealing with throughout the night is, um, worsened during the full moon, that's another red flag. And, And here's why. Parasites, just like other animals, plants, even humans, <laughs> um, you know, we they have a connection to the moon. And when the moon is full, that is when um, animals are more active. That is when plants can grow throughout the night. It's just once again by nature when um, creatures are going to be more active, right? And so once again, that is going to trigger you in your body and your nervous system when they are more active during the full moon. And so. On the flip side to that, we can actually utilize that for our advantage. So when you get to the point of doing a monthly maintenance, which is something that I do teach my clients, um, you know, we use the full moon to actually do our protocol on because that's when we're going to be able to get them while they're out, right? So we actually do our parasite protocol during the full moon to kill them off while they're most active. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like we're all connected to nature. And as you were talking about like the connection with the moon, I was like thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder how a reflector, like what a reflector's experience might be Mm. after going through a parasite protocol. Um, And if their relationship to their lunar cycle somehow shifts, Mm. if you're, if you're a reflector listening, let me know. I'm really curious. (laughs) So interesting. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing all this great information. Uh, and I know there's so much more too. Is there any other piece of like parasites, how they work, how we address them that I haven't asked you about that you want to touch on? I don't think so. Well, maybe just the fact that, you know, they really are a root cause issue. You know, if you're dealing with a co-infection like Lyme or EBV or Hashimoto's, or if you're dealing with, um, you know, just bloating, whatever it is consider parasites, not because I, you know, believe that everybody has them, but so many people do and it's neglected and they continue to suffer. So, you know, just allow that to come into your reservoir. It's not as scary as it maybe sounds. And just know that there are so many people out there who want to support you on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I especially want to highlight, like, it doesn't have to be that scary. Like as far as protocols go, it was really easy. I, I felt like to, you know, take my supplements. I didn't have to really change anything about my diet. Granted, like I'm already 
a lot of things like dairy-free, um, gluten-free, you know, I don't drink coffee, whatever. So it might be a little different for you, but, um, you know, I think about people in my life who have been hearing about what I've been doing and they're like, huh, like maybe I should do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'll hear the feedback that like, oh, I, I started my protocol and I'm starting to feel like, because there are some, sometimes we're detoxing, right. So they'll be like, oh, I feel like I'm really like detoxing something. And, or maybe you just want like better sleep or to like get more in touch with your gut. And it just feels like this has been for me really helpful to shift some internal pieces that relate to allowing me to feel more connected to my physical body and thus my design. So I'm very grateful. Thank you for sharing all of this, Rachel. Well, I am just so honored to be able to work with you and join you on your podcast. Um, Yeah, it's been such a joy, Victoria. Amazing. So um, I'll link out to your, oh, and your Instagram page is great because if people are curious more about the iridology piece, like you Mm -hmm. explain kind of a little bit more. Um, It's a lot harder than I feel like it it looks or it sounds like (laughs) you know when we chat you're like oh I see all these things changing and I'm like "Mm," staring at my eye in the mirror um but it's a great place if you're curious like I am for information to just kind of dip in so remind us what that is and any other ways to get in touch yeah so my Instagram is at Rachel Vineyard Wellness you will see eyes and worms so you probably can't miss it um, that's where you can find me on social media. And then on my website is at rachelvineyard.com. So you can find me in both places. Amazing. Yeah. And I love that, you know, human design. I love that you're so intuitive too. Like, I think there's so many times I've asked you questions and you're like, just trust, like, you know, you're in touch with your body and like, we'll adjust these things for you. Um, so it's been, it's felt really in flow to work with you. So, well, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I hope people get in touch if this feels like it's supportive for them in their deconditioning and just practicing your design journeys and, um, yeah, have a great rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Victoria. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you did a couple quick asks, First, would you be willing to show some support with a review or sharing with a friend, maybe someone you're trying to get into human design? With the review, I know a lot of us are listening on the go, so myself included. So if you could pause while you're in line at the store or remember to check back in later, it is a free way to show some recognition, which you know I deeply appreciate as a projector. So thanks in advance. And secondly, I also love hearing what you're taking away from the episode. So if you want to take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at victoriajane.hd, I love knowing what you learned or if there's anything you have more questions on. We can always do future episodes and go deeper. I love connecting in that way via stories too, so feel free to do that. And thanks so much. See you on the next episode.